Welcome to the gaming's greatest generation podcast where we discuss news, reviews, and all things video games with your hosts the OG Leo Holly, the overachiever Mark Lombardi, and Mr. Contradiction himself Matt Harms. Stay tuned for ways to connect with the G3 community, contribute to the show, or tell us about your greatest gaming experiences. Now, let's get to the show. Greetings, gamers, and welcome back to Gaming's Greatest Generation, your podcast where we talk about news, reviews, and culture surrounding video games. I will be your host, Leo, aka known as Ice, on all things gaming and social media. And today, for episode 21, here on January 15, 2022, I'm joined by none other than the infamous, the lone wolf, Mr. Mark, aka Snipe90. What is going on, brother? What's up? What's up? How's it going? You know, I say the lone wolf, but in actuality, like we, we, what was it like a week and a half ago or something like that? We were playing some Halo Infinite and like, it was, uh, it was definitely not lone wolf and we were, we were teaming it up pretty good and you, you were definitely holding your own, if not carrying the team. How's your back, by the way? Does it feel pretty good? Uh, I've got a couple slip discs, but, uh, you know, I'm healing. Yeah. You know, I tried to, I tried to help be in your medication there, trying to, trying to carry the team myself in a couple of those and, and not allow you the opportunity to have too many bragging rights. But anyways, we'll, we'll save more of uh, what we've been doing, what we've been gaming and, and bragging rights, if you will, towards the end of the episode today for episode 21, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, first off, thank you everybody for coming back for more of G3, your favorite gaming podcast, and for, what we are officially calling season two um we you know same 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 podcast great sound we're gonna go ahead and uh i'm thinking later on sometime in the year we may go ahead and swap up some of the intro music and everything that you're used to hearing uh just to you know keep you on your toes but we'll see keep an ear out for that but we have been keeping an ear out for you and our first section as we usually like to do is news you can use from around the net. So first and foremost, uh, we just wanted to highlight that 2022 is already starting strong. We've had two uh, fairly big game releases that came out on PC, uh, that being Monster Hunter Rise and God of War, 2018's God of War. Those are both now available on PC, and it looks like they have received some pretty good uh, feedback, I think, on Steam. Uh, God of War is now one of the top selling games. I don't believe of all time yet, but it's got some pretty high numbers, at least since it's released earlier this week. It's trending as the number one selling game on Steam. Uh, Epic does not put that information out that I am aware of, but I would presume it is likewise over there as well. Uh, and the Monster Hunter Rise being the PC port from the game that was released, uh, I believe it was March of 2021. And that one is being met with some success too. Um, I mean, these, these look like really good foot forward, feet forward, feet in the fire, if you will, uh, stepping out into 2022 and just setting a blaze for everyone else that's coming up behind them in later releases. Would you agree, Mark? Yeah, I'll just share this portion about the God of War. I'm hoping, like fingers, toes crossed, that the success of this coming to PC Sony looks at and says, "All right, let's push more." That that's just me. I, you know, I'm hoping hoping for the best for 2022. Uh, Sony to share the wealth. Yeah, dude. I mean, we talked about it previously. Where um, at least I shared my opinion, right? Where 
I don't think Sony is able to look the other way and PlayStation as a brand is able to look the other way when you got like Forza Horizon 5 that's coming out on Xbox, uh, both on Game Pass service as well as uh, for purchase on on Steam and um, available on PC Game Pass, right? That's what it's called now? Yeah, PC Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hitting, I think I just saw this past week or so, it hit something like 15 million users now. I mean... Dude, that's 15 million people. And here we, I think you and I had actually previously talked about Jim Ryan out of PlayStation, uh, basically telling, you know, his upset sob story about how, you know, God of War and Horizon series, like some of their big tentpoles hitting like 10 million copies sold. Uh, So that attach rate is pretty abysmal compared to the number of consoles out there. Um, So yeah, this definitely is a smart play on their part and opens it up to a new audience. And I agree wholeheartedly that hopefully this will kind of shed light on the opportunities that are before them. uh, And we may see some more stuff uh, coming out. What we will also see some more stuff coming out of, hopefully, although maybe not really. The biggest news that happened this past week, everybody's pretty much heard of it. Take two acquired Zynga, that being Zynga Games. So um the details on this one coming out of uh cnbc at least that's our source for this one uh take two is uh says it is buying zynga for 12.7 billion with a b holy cow i think you could uh go ahead and buy a couple of different companies for that but uh it is so far the biggest i believe they said it's the biggest acquisition uh so far in all of games media definitely in in the latest string of it uh and zynga for those who may not be familiar they make a lot of your approachable casual games and i say approachable casual in the sense that these are the games that you know don't really have to worry about um regional releases or anything like that because of localization and stuff because quite frankly they're pretty easy to do localization on at least as far as i've known of any type of game development and they don't have a lot of uh, super contextual stuff that matters uh, you know based on relevancy in the country that's released or whatnot Uh, some titles include like chess with friends uh boggle with friends pretty much i know i know mark you said like in the chat it was like oh you know all the games with friends all right anything Um, with friends yeah, anything with friends. My, I mean, my big one. I, I'll, I'll ask you here in a second. My big one with Zynga, the biggest one that I've ever played was Zynga Poker, um, and I got. I mean, there was like a one or two year period. I want to say this was in, I don't know, probably the early 2010s. I, dude, I was all about that. Like that was on my phone, and any like nowadays I'm playing solitaire and stuff like that, more so for the mobile achievements with Xbox, but. Um, Zynga Poker was the thing that I was playing hardcore for a while there. Have you dipped into any of the Zynga mobiles at all? Oh, um, yeah, I was big on the, I never got into like the Farmville stuff, but like I was big on the words with friends, like when it popped up on Facebook back in the day, but I haven't really touched many Zynga titles here recently. Yep. And no harm, no foul, but, uh, nonetheless, so that is going to be coming through. It's expected to close June 30th of this year. And, um, so why is that a big deal? Zynga is a pretty big player in so far as the mobile space. So take two scooping them up in the portfolio is uh, great news for Zynga because then they won't have to worry about going ahead and having these mobile games that just beat the crap out of you with microtransactions, even though chances are it's still going to happen. Uh, and Take-Two has an opportunity to expand its portfolio a little more and 
you know, maybe offer some financial support to uh, Zing in that regard. And may maybe, just maybe, be a little more creative. Uh, that being said, something that is not creative and is unfortunately, we're, we're kind of going back to the drawing board in a sense, is some of the latest appeals uh, from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, or what I'll just call DFA, DFA. Uh, they have appealed the judge's decision. So this is regarding the Activision Blizzard case. We'll just play some quick catch up, right? So Activision Blizzard, a lot of shenanigans last year, employees uh, claiming things about frat boy, uh, frat house behavior in the workplace, uh, even stuff amounting all the way up to sexual misconduct, which supposedly uh, the CEO himself, Bobby Kotick, knew about uh, and basically kind of brushed under the rug or something to that effect. That That's a little bit of hearsay. Um, but this news coming out of The Verge, basically the federal government went ahead and had a, uh, a suit against Activision Blizzard, which they closed towards the end of last year for a sum of about $18 million settlement. And that uh, went ahead and that, that was for the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And so what that did is that $18 million was supposed to be used to kind of let the dust settle or settle the dust purposely. Uh, and take care of the employees that were harmed, uh, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, or even financially regarding all the shenanigans going on here with Activision Blizzard. However, the DFA, again, California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, has uh, back in October, they appealed uh, any type of settlement going on. They basically are looking at, they want some type of hardcore restructuring and and probably even to the extent of the firing of Kodak, as well as maybe a couple board members. Um, and with the, with the settlement coming down, it's a lot of moving pieces here, guys. With the settlement coming down, basically uh, the judge denied that appeal back in October, but DIFA is going ahead and bringing that appeal up once again because they feel that the opportunity for uh, Activision Blizzard to go ahead and uh, complete that settlement almost kind of washes the hands of any court cases, including DFAs. And so California is going ahead and uh, appealing that once again with the judge uh, to not necessarily overturn that settlement, but to allow California to keep its own lawsuit uh, going against the major corporation. Um, so kind of along the lines of that topic, this, uh, this report out of GameSpot, um, the employees of Activision Blizzard say that, surprise, surprise, the leadership remains, quote unquote, radio silent over requests uh, to meet with striking workers. So uh, the long and short of the article, we've read it, so you don't have to, is that the employees have gone ahead and constantly tried to approach the leadership of Activision Blizzard. And as far as they can tell, Activision Blizzard is putting on a good front on the public space, but back inside behind closed doors they are just not hearing not listening not giving up about anything that the employees say uh regarding their quality of life and um it it's unfortunate i mean it's a it's a pretty sad thing this this was also kind of uh what's what's the word i'm looking for exacerbated by uh ab letting go of several uh raven raven software is it raven software raven studios yeah i want to say it's raven software yeah there we go raven software qa team um and so at least in my limited background i did you know a summer 
uh, interning as a QA for EA uh, Tiburon Studio, the guys that traditionally make the Madden games. Uh, I know that the QA department is a very easily overlooked yet very crucial part of putting out awesome games. And so the fact that Activision Blizzard was pretty quick to go ahead and let all those folks go, you know, they they put out a a joining statement once criticism came out saying that, hey, we're hiring on all these other employees. Um, but at the same token, it, it still sullied the notion or the thought that, hey, these Raven software folks were the ones who basically stood up in solidarity of what was going on at Activision Blizzard and, and the mistreatment of the employees. And, you know, no, no one has officially conjectured like, oh, they were fired because they spoke out, but it kind of leans in that direction. So, that was a whole lot to wrap up. I just wanted to get the the bad out of the way, if you will. Mark, did you have anything, any thoughts? I know the legal stuff is not really your forte, so to speak, but any thoughts on Activision Blizzard? and Or even do you hope that this year will result in maybe some unionization efforts over there? Uh, yeah, I'll just uh, wait this out and maybe Netflix will get a hold of it and make a document <laughs> documentary about it. Uh so yeah that'll no. probably be the best way to cover it rather than listen to <laughs> right. me go on for like 10 minutes right <laughs> yeah it'd be like a couple episode series or something but uh yeah hopefully they uh you know come together and figure out some sort of agreement to you know move on but we'll see yeah and speaking of moving on apparently in our next topic uh this one i i took notice so sidebar real quick i took notice that a lot of our news this week came out of GameSpot that was not any type of favoritism or whatnot GameSpot must have just really been on point that uh their stuff was like in the the search engines or in my emails or whatever every time I went to look and and build out this episode so this coming out of GameSpot as well um you know when we talk about moving on apparently Bioware wants to move on and in that they want to move on from the bad stank that they've gotten over the past uh, couple of years with the lackluster release and, and receival of receival that a word. Yeah, sure. Receipt of Anthem. Um, and that after mass effect Andromeda and the uh, general manager, Gary McKay has gone ahead and he published a blog post where he identified, Hey, you know, we, we want to be the Bioware that you guys remember. Um, so, the the big gotchas he went ahead and he made remarks about you know developing games under the pressure continuing pressure of a pandemic which uh, i mean again kind of sidebar i hear but i'm not going to give as much credit to because we've seen other studios big and small go ahead and and be able to kind of push through and and work with this i don't know if it's because bioware is separate among like three or four different studios uh and that's part of the problem but regardless um he said there is some interesting let me just uh, go ahead and do this quote here. He said, quote, we are laser focused on building back the trust of our fans and community. And we plan to do that by delivering the types of games that we're best known for and ensuring they are of the highest quality, end quote. Uh, he went on. So it's like, OK, cool. Like we kind of knew that that was going to uh, going to come. He did, however, and this was uh, kind of interesting. They I don't believe he said in this blog post um, no, he reiterated, excuse me. So Bioware initially put out, but he reiterated that the next Dragon Age game will be a single player focused game. And that was after some uh, backlash that they received when they were talking about having a multiplayer component to it. Now, honestly, if they meant multiplayer in the sense of like co-op online, 
I'm cool with that, right? If it's something like, hey, we want to make a, a Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, which admittedly, you know, I played, I think, Mark, you played too. Um, that was pretty cool, if I recall, right? I know Matt and I played it. Uh, that was pretty cool. But like, you know, I, I feel like there's way too easily an opportunity to jack that up as opposed to nail it. And so the fact that they've reiterated the next Dragon Age game is going to be single player focused is reassuring. Uh, the fact that they are, you know, at least we've seen in the background, uh, what was it, E three? Was it E three or Game Awards? This, uh, not this recent Game Awards, but the year before. Anyways, in the past year or two, they've gone ahead and they teased that they're working on another Mass Effect game, which I believe is going to be made in Unreal Engine five, which is kind of crazy. But that is enough out of me, Mark. Does this excite you at all that Bioware wants to to reclaim the crown? Ah, oh, I mean. It's exciting for anyone, really, to want to do better. Uh, I know they had mentioned, you know, issues with, you know, the whole pandemic and trying to get back on track and, you know, better hiring practices, trying to get, you know, better talent in there. But, I mean, if any company, you know, strives to do better, I'm all for it. Cool, cool, cool. What what was uh, out of the – which one are you? Are you a Mass Effect 1, 2, or 3 guy? Um, well, Mass Effect 3 is currently collecting dust on my hard drive, um, Xbox. <laughs> I did not get a chance to start that, but, uh, I had fun with 1 and 2. Yeah, I could have swore we played 3 at some point in that multiplayer mm-hmm. component. That might have just been Matt and I. Uh, cool. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 2 guy through and through. Like, I definitely respect the story that they told in Mass Effect 1, but, I mean, the, uh, you know, the loyalty missions and everything that you had going on in Mass Effect 2. Like, I, I just thought it was really good storytelling going on in there. Like, I just continually was hooked in that. And I distinctly remember, for anyone that hasn't, by the way, picked up Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which, you know, is available for sale. It's also on Xbox Game Pass now. Just came out a couple of days ago. Like, what are you doing? Turn this podcast off. Or you know what? Even better, just go ahead and play it in the background. And go ahead and boot up Mass Effect Legendary Edition and play through that because that is like storytelling masterpiece right there. Um, but again, yeah, I'm a Mass Effect 2 guy through and through. Yeah. Uh, I, without going any deeper, because I know there could be, you know, potentially a bunch of spoilers. And now that it's like re-released, it's like, okay, cool. Have we just rolled back the, you know, the uh, terms and conditions or, or whatnot on when we're able to talk about any type of spoiler stuff. I'm, I'm glad to be doing this podcast without Matt, because if Matt was here, he'd be bitching at me about finishing Mass Effect 3, which I hadn't done. And I'll fully admit that there's a reason for it, because I didn't want to get spoiled by or soured by the ending. And then they worked out and they changed the ending to something else. And I just haven't got to it yet. It's on the backlog. It's in there somewhere. But anywho, uh, you know what is gonna end up coming to the top of the backlog though or top of the playlist mark is this uh sequel again this news coming out of GameSpot, uh the sequel to jedi fallen order which supposedly according to jeff grubb which anyone that is like uh gaming insiders uh they know jeff grubb is kind of like he he he's this dude he gets into a circle and he does a trust fall and he lands on somebody big in the industry, whether it be a Jim Ryan, a Phil Spencer or something like this dude somehow friggin knows information that no one else knows. So he's, he's definitely an insider, but he has said, uh, in his, uh, January 6th episode of grub snacks, which is, I guess his, um, premium podcast, if you will, 
uh, he mentioned that they are uh, working on the Fallen Order sequel, and we can expect EA to announce it most likely sometime this year with a release mo- most likely next year. Mark, uh, did you get to play through the first Fallen Order? Did you like it? Like, Are you excited uh, about this one? Yeah, I, I kick myself a lot because I haven't finished it. Um, it's something I just need to get back into. Uh, the voice actor i wasn't too fond of the cameron what's his name monaghan shameless yeah that guy uh but yeah so far that i've played is good it kind of reminds me of like the uh old uh pc jedi um what was that game uh help me out you talking about uh kotor or uh no not the uh academy or oh jedi Jedi yeah yep um, so it kind of had that feel and then with, you know, the open world, I wouldn't say open world, but like semi open world, uh, you know, play, play style, but, uh, it's a good timing for it. I mean, they got the book of Boba Fett, which is kind of like, you know, bringing people back into the star Wars, uh, star Wars scene. Um, so it's a good timing on their part to, you know, come up with this announcement. So. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. And I'll, I'll co-sign there, dude, Lo- love it or hate it. Like, Disney and the their proprietary stuff now be Star Wars or Marvel. Like, uh, I I can't speak to Eternals. I'm gonna sit down and probably watch that sometime this weekend on Disney Plus. But uh, I've been keeping up with Book of Boba Fett, and to some it may be slow, but like if you understand like how the Boba Fett character was in the previous Star Wars movies, and like, dude, it just it feels right. <laughs> that's the that's the best I can say. It feels right to some true Star Wars fans. And like my father-in-law is actually looking at uh, getting in on my subscription to watch it with us kind of deal. Cause he is a, he is a true blue Star Wars fan. And so I'll be interested to get his feedback, but yeah, I agree. This is definitely some good timing on their part. A lot of the Star Wars uh, franchise is being reinvigorated. You got the Obi-Wan Kenobi show that's coming up later on. Uh, I thought I heard them say that they were coming back with a new season of uh, Bad Batch. So there's a there's a lot of good stuff to tie in with the Star Wars universe. And uh, while, again, kicking myself that I haven't played Fallen Order, and if you haven't, here's another plug. If you are an Amazon Prime member, Prime Gaming, guess what? Fallen Order is free this month for you. So go cop that. Um, but from any anybody that I've ever heard who's played the game, it was... Uh, just a godsend that Respawn was able to tell EA, leave us alone, we'll do our own thing, we're going to make an awesome game. And they did. They basically brought a lot of credibility back to the single-player gaming sphere within the Star Wars franchise. And now you got, you know, EA no longer holds the the token contract, if you will. And we're going to see Star Wars games in the future coming out of Ubisoft, uh, which they're slated to make an open-world Star Wars game. Quantic Dream, we saw at the Game Awards, they announced uh, Star Wars Eclipse, which I don't think anybody has a clue what that's about. Um, but uh, I believe the the hints that I've heard is that's going to be a much darker tone, uh, kind of like in between the Sith Empire taking over kind of thing. Uh, I may be wrong on that second part, but yeah, it should be a darker tone game, which uh, coming out of Quantic Dream, I trust that it, that it will be, and it'll hopefully have some good storytelling. Woo. All right, let's take a breath. All right. Uh, and you know what? With that, let's actually take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Heard something you liked? Maybe you want to showcase a great gaming experience? Or perhaps you just want to share a laugh with the crew? Join the Discord by using the link in the show notes. We look forward to you being part of the community. 
all right folks and we are back so what are we talking about next next we are talking about something you know not necessarily a game awards uh type situation uh, announcement if you will but something that was announced via twitter that caught everybody by surprise and that was ubisoft announcing that uh rainbow siege extraction was going to be coming day and day to xbox game pass but also that Ubisoft Plus was coming uh, coming to Xbox. And so I'm not going to lie, I bit onto this hard. And right away, I was tweeting out to people, I was like, uh, if this is the first that Ubisoft is announcing, Ubisoft Plus will be coming to Game Pass, similar to what EA has with Game Pass right now, 2022 will become a very interesting year. Um, apparently, their messaging was a little bit confusing because a lot of other people thought or read into it the same way I did to the point where Ubisoft came back with a, uh, a secondary post. I don't want to say a retraction. It wasn't a retraction, but a clarification post uh, stipulating that it was not coming to Xbox Game Pass. But just as trivially, they said, but more to come in the future or some, some to that degree. So it's like, Mark, am I out to lunch on this one? Are we getting Ubisoft Plus yeah, on Game the, Pass? Um... Like, I was I'm I'm still confused actually because the way they worded it was will be coming to Xbox but hasn't announced yet when but then it says for pricing it says fifteen dollars a month per on PC but it says it might not be part of Game Pass either Xbox or PC so I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, so my understanding is it's supposed to come to Game Pass. The PC side I can't speak to, and I don't know why it would come to Game Pass on PC, so to speak, because PC users will just use Ubisoft Plus's launcher and everything. But insofar as the consoles, uh, Ubisoft Plus is coming to Game Pass, um, and I believe it is going to be the normal like $15 a month price point for that. Now, to me, again, call this an ICE's insight, if you will, um, I don't think that's going to fly. I, I think that people, especially gamers, are very price conscious. I think that if they are Game Pass subscribers, they're probably not like like me that takes advantage of like every reward system possible to try and get that uh, get that subscription for free. So they're probably paying the ten dollars a month already for Game Pass on console, if not the fifteen for Game Pass Ultimate, and then to turn around and pay another fifteen out of pocket for um for ubisoft plus on console like i maybe i'm crazy i don't see that happening and what i you know call this a hot take or whatever i think before the end of the year no nah, it's probably not fair i'll say but yeah probably towards the end of the year we may hear something about the actual inclusion of of ubisoft plus into game pass because i i just i don't see it happening i see they're going to look at it and game pass, you know, Xbox is showing them the game pass numbers and they're like, look, this is the type of engagement we have. And Ubisoft is going to come on over thinking they're going to get that type of engagement. People aren't going to buy into the service because they don't want to essentially double dip for subscription services on, on a, on a console, even though it may be their primary and only console of choice. Uh, and then, you know, it's going to be this back and forth between Ubisoft and Xbox and Ubisoft's going to cave and say, okay, cool. Well, if you make it worth our while and then Xbox is probably going to throw some money their way and then we're going to see Ubisoft Plus incorporate into Game Pass similar to what we see uh, with EA Play. The the stipulation, though, being the EA Play, we don't get the brand new games day and date. Those come 
you know, later on, that's part of their origin, whatever it is, origin plus or origin premiere. Um, but with EA, nonetheless, we go ahead and, and we get those games later on. It, do you think that's too controversial that we're going to see that uh, incorporated later this year, Mark? Well, yeah, I'm hoping they look at the EA play and say, you know, this is what we need to do. Uh, it's a little confusing on the PC side because you can't directly download EA games in Game Pass on the app. You have to, like, close it out and go to EA Play, and then sometimes you have to go to Origin. So it's a little jumbled up on the PC end, but I'm, I'm hoping they fix that. And then, as well as this Ubisoft Plus uh, subscription, or however they do it, I hope they just do it right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. I can only hope that they do it right. And, you know, they've already, I don't believe we had a chance to talk about it on the show previously, but they've already hinted that Ubisoft Toronto is working on a Splinter Cell remake. So very interested to see how that goes. I know I, I probably should have waited for Matt to get back on the podcast. Uh, he's feeling a little under the weather, so he couldn't join us this evening. But uh, I wanted to... Uh, go ahead and get his take on it because I think of the three of us, he's probably the most diehard uh, Splinter Cell fan. I don't think I'm necessarily talking out of turn on that one, but Ubisoft has yeah. some interesting properties, and I'd be interested to see, you know, how those can better be incorporated into Game Pass. I mean, secretly, secretly, I just want you know Xbox to to pull a friggin' Bethesda and just buy Ubisoft. They're a private company. Uh, they could probably, you know, benefit from the overhead with some of the, the scandalous shenanigans that they've had in the past couple of years. Um, they seem to, you know, we, we've had our own opinions on why Rainbow Six Extraction is, uh, you know, coming day and date to Game Pass. Um, you know, we're not going to disparage the title necessarily, but I don't know if it was necessarily making the presale numbers that they had hoped for. Um, so yeah, I, I think it could really benefit from having that whole network and opportunity to get to, you know, however many millions of subscribers Game Pass has now and, you know, just be brought into the fold as part of the, the greater, you know, entity that is Xbox Game Studios, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I was, um, I was just reading a couple comments on the GameSpot, uh, article, um, I'll just read two of them real quick uh, from user Voodoo. He said, uh, 15 a month. Uh, who the hell would pay that to play some half-baked games? Uh, it says uh, Ubisoft used to be one of the best game companies around. When Splinter Cell, Prince of Persia, uh, Beyond Good and Evil came out, but they lost their way. Um, so, yeah, I guess some some users are maybe upset that uh, they need to put out some quality content for people to you know pay the 15 yeah, I mean, and they, they've announced, so we just said they got their uh, their Star Wars open world game coming out. They've already announced that they've got, uh, I think, nope, I'm sure this was announced to be using their Snowdrop engine. They're coming out with a new Avatar game. Um, dude, I, I would absolutely love to see them. They're coming out with, obviously, a couple of these, these little ones here and there, like, uh, oh, God, what is it, X Defiant? Um, you got X Defiant, which is like their weird crossover kind of multiplayer game. You got, um, I am still supremely disparaged that we saw that nasty, nasty trailer for, um, Beyond Good and Evil, like the remake. Did you see that one? You know which one I'm talking about? Recently? 
It was like in 2018, I want to say. I want to say it was oh, like a 2018 no. E3. Oh, dude. Like, oh, okay, that's homework. You're, you got to watch that and then come back next episode and holler at me about that because yeah, as soon as I saw after this. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, it was a really enticing looking. Granted, it was, you know, heavy, heavy CG. Um, and we know how Ubisoft can do with the CG stuff. But I was very interested and I was hooked. I was like, Let, let's see where this can go because some of the stuff that they were showcasing in that, it went from like a CG trailer to the dev talking about it. I mean, I would love to see Ubisoft come out with, with something like that. But I think that would be the stuff that would sell it. Like stuff like that, I could see people going ahead, even if it was like a month here and there, I could see them subscribing to it to for that type of content. But, you know, those are those are the type of heavy hitter games that pretty much everybody's looking for. You know what else is a heavy hitter game or what was at one point, Mark? Bioshock. Uh, and so this news also coming out of da, 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 GameSpot. I'm telling you, they were killing it this past week. Um, so actually, sorry, this is about two weeks old. Uh, this came out January 3rd, but I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, Ken Levine, who was one of the original creators and, and uh, directors, if you will, for the development of the Bioshock games. Um, he's got his own studio now under Take-Two, and that is uh, Ghost Story Games. And so apparently, uh, you know, some some words gotten out that good old Ken is a little difficult to work for. Um, Take-Two went ahead and they separated the two. They've allowed uh, Ken to have Ghost Story games, but they also still have Irrational Games, which was the banner under the previous Bioshock games were built. And, you know, I, I, for one, love the Bioshock games. The fact that Ken Levine, you know, I, I thought of him as something of a creative genius for having the type of direction and forethought to come about with some games like this. Um, the fact that he's being kind of a tough boss. I mean, if we're not talking about to the degree of disparaging employees, like, you know, on a, on a personal level or whatnot, like we hear about with <coughs> Activision Blizzard, um, then I'm kind of okay. I'm okay with tough bosses as long as the, the juice is worth the squeeze, as long as the me the ends justify the means, if you will. But um, did you, I know, I know you played at least one of the Bioshock games, right, Mark? What did, what did you think I, about those? I did. Uh, the last one actually bought Bioshock Infinite from you. Remember that? Oh, wow. But, did you? Yeah, the physical oh, 360 the copy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed the games. I, I think the story was decent. Uh, the gameplay was, again, decent. Um, I mean, I had fun with them. I'm, I mean, it'd be nice to have something a little different. Uh, it's been a while since they've even, you know, remotely, you know, leaked anything. So, I mean, hopefully they have something coming out. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm trying to look right now when I want to say uh, Bioshock. Yeah, Bioshock Infinite was released in 2013. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it has been, it's been a minute. <laughs> I mean, you're talking almost 10 years since since the last one. Yeah. And um, I, I love when I talk to Matt about Bioshock Infinite because he's like, oh, yeah, you could totally foreshadow it. Dude, maybe I'm a I'm a complete, you know, hard R retard when it comes to stories and games i did not foreshadow whatever was going on there maybe i was just too involved in the gameplay itself but matt was like oh yeah you could totally see it coming i'm like mm, bull 
anyways, uh, if you haven't played Bioshock Infinite, uh, I would highly recommend. I think that game is uh, good. I don't know if I'd say it's one the best of the three. The fact that it has the opportunity to be more uh, have more graphic fidelity than the other two. Well, I say that, but they actually re-released the the other ones for the uh, PS4 and Xbox One generation. So I can't even say that that they're you know that uh, Infinite's the most graphic fidelity one. Anyways, I'm stumbling. Let's just move on. Uh, but let's talk about how there was another stumble, that being out of, uh, surprise, surprise, Activision Blizzard, and when we talk about Call of Duty. So the news coming out of GameSpot, and this is more a claim rather than uh, actual hard research data, but I would actually believe it. Uh, Mr. Tom Henderson, who uh, is a journalist uh, over with, is he with GameSpot? No, sorry. He, he just has a reputation for leaking reputable information about Call of Duty. Uh, he has stipulated that because of Call of Duty Vanguard's poor sales this past fall, that we're probably going to expect to see the next Call of Duty game, the annual iteration, because we can't seem to take a break from them for a little bit. Uh, but it's rumored to be the next Modern Warfare. So we had the Modern Warfare remake that came out, uh, what was that now, two years ago, three years ago. Um, and so now, supposedly, we're going to get Modern Warfare 2, a remake from the 2009 game. Um, Mark, what do, you, what do you think about this? You think, uh, did you get to play Vanguard at all? Do you think, uh, I, um, I know your answer is no, but I'm just going to ask. Anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I did not. Uh, I played Modern Warfare with, you know, of course, you and a couple other people. I uh, haven't played it in a while since just like every other call of duty title it just dies and then they come out with something else and then it's popular for a couple months and then that dies and they're like oh let's try and change this just smidge and then people you know pay into it i, I can go on and on about it but yeah I, I haven't played a call of duty title in a while yeah i will say i remember modern warfare 2 uh, the, actually, Modern Warfare 1 and Modern Warfare 2, like back on the 360, I remember those very fondly. Um, we played a lot of multiplayer in that. I remember that was when, you know, our, our clan, Sinners and Saints, was doing pretty good. We had a lot of a lot of participants. We had different, shoot, I think we had different squads depending on the game, right? Like these guys were playing Halo predominantly. These guys were playing this game. These, Anyways, um, but I remember those, those uh, Modern Warfare titles very finally so i'm definitely interested to see um it what it would look like i was very happy with the latest rendition of modern warfare um so coming out with a sequel i don't really care if it's you know the result of lackluster sales and vanguard i i'm very curious because these major companies do have uh focus groups that they go ahead and push this stuff to and they basically say hey how do you guys feel do you think this will sell and the fact that i mean they must have the most die hard blindfold wearing call of duty people in said focus group because pretty much anywhere i turned people were saying yeah vanguard's not going to be good vanguard's not going to sell good so i'm very curious why they even committed to it probably just because they had so much work done they needed to get it out the door um but you yeah, know I, mean, go ahead. I, I, have, I know people that have consoles just for call of duty like i feel like it's just a, a you know list of those type of people that just you know, keep it going. 
Yeah, and if we have those folks that listen to the podcast, like please by all means don't <laughs> think we're we're sitting here saying Call of Duty is doo doo. Um, no, I, I think from my OG perspective, like there was a day when I look forward to playing Call of Duty. That day has long gone. Uh, I was definitely excited when I got into uh, the Modern Warfare remake. I think the only uh, achievement I don't have in that one is. Um, what it's the special ops one because I can never get enough people to, to sit in the multiplayer with me. But I mean, otherwise I, you know, a thousand or platinum, whatever you want to call it on that game, because I, I really like playing it that style and playing on realistic mode, especially. So you really feel the hurt. Um, but yeah, so the other gotcha here, the other elephant in the room, obviously with call of duty is it, it, it's coming out of Activision blizzard. So who knows if, you know, they're also doing this because, it's the best product that they can get out in a timely fashion, considering everything that's gone on behind the scenes at the studios. Um, We'll see who knows. Hopefully that's not the case. It's going to be a polished product as the 20, I think it was 2018, right? As the 2018 game was. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll uh, hop back into Warzone and, and play a little bit of that as long as, you know, they don't have any more invisible skins or whatever that shenanigan was. But uh, moving right along to another game that is taking a turn is Mario Kart 9. Supposedly, Nintendo is finally developing a new Mario Kart game. So the last one was Mario Kart 8 in 2014. Uh, And this news, I mean, they're citing, it's GameSpot once again, they're citing an interview on GameIndustry.biz, which I probably should have pulled that one up. Uh, But supposedly Mario Kart 9 is in the works right now. And it's going to have some new twists, although there's not anything specific given as to what that twist could be. Mark, I know you're our resident Nintendo master. Mario Kart, where does it sit in your pantheon of you know favorites or least favorites? And what what possibly could they be looking at for a quote unquote twist, a new twist with Mario Kart 9? Um, I would actually bet money on it that... Each character is going to have their own special ability they can use maybe once per race or something like that. That's that's just my guess. And you know what? I'm going to tend to agree. I don't even want to bet you because as I'm thinking about it right here, I've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on on the Switch and I'm thinking to it and I'm like, yeah, uh, it's kind of the normal. Whatever you pick up is what you can use. So I, I would agree that there's not anything specific outside of maybe appearance of the cart you can customize the cart a little bit but you can't even customize the character right the avatar so yeah that would be pretty interesting if they went ahead and came up with something like hey we're gonna uh, let you have this special ability i 100 percent agree that that could be coming out in the works uh, i do miss the um sorry to cut you off but no. i do miss the gamecube double dash uh two character per cart um i hope they bring that back in some shape or form um, I had countless hours with that. That was one of my favorite ones, aside from the you know OG N sixty four one. But um, that was that was fun. Yeah, definitely. I think the sad, dude. You want to hear something so sad? I think my my uh, library of Mario Kart games was Mario Kart sixty four. I can't remember if I played uh, the original because the original came out on Super Nintendo, right? I want to say. Um, so I think I may have played it, never owned it, but I think I played it on the Super Nintendo. I had the N64 version. 
Um, and that was it, dude. Like then, then I may, I may or may not have, you know, played some stuff at a friend's house or something on GameCube. I never had a GameCube, never had a Wii. So I missed out on a lot of that Nintendo lore, if you will. And then I got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch. And I, I think that game is amazing. Like that's one I can actually get the wife to sit down and play with me. So that's how I know, you know, Nintendo's got a banger right there when my wife, who's not really into video games anymore, is willing to sit down and play with me. Um, they, they've got a winner there. So but I've heard, I've definitely heard before about Double Dash being kind of like revered as one of the best ones of all time. Yeah, I mean, so. it's, I mean, Mario Kart Eight came out in 2014, and it's still forty dollars plus. Like, yeah, that's and even even with the re-releases, like people are eating it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of Nintendo's mantra, right? Like they don't they view it as devaluing themselves uh, as well as their properties when they go ahead and have the games, you know, just regularly at lower price. So if you can cop Mario Kart eight at forty dollars or eight deluxe at forty dollars, you, you got to win. Um, and you know what else looks like a win? We finally have a release date for Kirby Last of Us. Just kidding. I mean, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, if you've gone ahead and checked this out, this is going to be the latest open world uh, entry into the Kirby franchise. And Nintendo has announced that that's going to be coming out March 25th of 2022. I know I'm psyched. Uh, I don't know if I can wholeheartedly say I'm going to be a day one purchaser. Um, but if I see more and it convinces me, I probably will. Mark, what do you, what are you thinking of this one? Are we happy to see this release uh, date finally? Yeah, I'll be um, I'll, I'll pre-order on my end. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're a nintendo guy i remember you know just yesterday sitting on the couch playing original game boy uh kirby uh, dreamland so uh world stuff is like you know next level so it should be you know something on the lines of like the open world mario stuff so but it's kirby which is like 10 times better but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think that's some of what, uh, you know, some of what I've heard people compare this to is like, you know, Kirby, um, Kirby Odyssey or uh, Kirby, Super Kirby 3D World. Or something. You know, like obviously Nintendo went ahead and they saw the success of going ahead and going open world with uh, some of their more mainstay franchises. So doing that with Kirby now, I'm very interested to see more about the story and see how it plays. But nonetheless, I'm glad I've gone ahead and, you know, I've kind of rattled the drum that I think 2022 is going to be one of the best years for gaming. We talked at the top of the episode about the PC releases um, going ahead and, and sounding that drum as kind of the war cry that, you know, the games are coming. This year is going to be awesome. And so having, you know, a, a big Kirby title come out, I don't know. Maybe there's a possibility that we'll see uh, Breath of the Wild 2 or working title breath of the wild to come out this year i think a lot of people are pointing more for that coming out in 2023 um but we'll see but nonetheless if nintendo can you know get a couple entries in there this year uh it's going to be a winner and something else that came up as a blast from the past when we were talking about n64 apparently uh, this news coming out of IGN. So we got a little break from the GameSpot stuff. Um, but somebody went ahead and was able to find on the True Achievements website that there's actually GoldenEye 007 Xbox achievements that have now appeared online. So if anybody's been following this, we haven't really talked about it on the podcast, but if anybody's been following this news, um, it, it's the hotness. Like GoldenEye for, for the OG gamers, GoldenEye 007 was one of the best shooters um, 
at least in its age, back on the N64. I know I played the crap out of it. It wasn't uh, online enabled that I can recall, but it was one of those sit down with co-op, you know, with couch co-op type stuff or couch uh, multiplayer rather versus, um, you know, when we talk about the nostalgia of like Halo Combat Evolved and having that kind of uh, couch experience, that this was it when we're talking about GoldenEye 007. This was it for the Nintendo 64. Um, but yeah, 55 achievements coming out to a thousand gamer score. There's been a lot of hubbub in the past about uh, who owns the properties and this, that, and the other. Obviously, GoldenEye uh, under James Bond is kind of under, I don't even know who owns the rights to that one. But the 007 title was under Nintendo, but uh, I believe Rare made the game. Like, there's just there's there's just a whole bunch going on there. So, uh, Mark, are you excited about this? Do you think this is uh, something you'll look forward to if it comes out on Xbox? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one of, like you said, one. Of, it was either that or Perfect Dark. People were playing, you know, for the shooter games back in the day. Um, it's exciting to see some of the older titles get you know, new life, I should say. Um, it'd be nice to see like some online, uh, since they didn't have it back then. Um, but yeah, I, it's a fun game for me. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with, uh, the, uh, perfect dark. That was, that was really fun to play back when. Um, but as we're on the nostalgia train, this other news coming out of Tom's guide. So we have a, you know, a new, a new realm to, glean some news from uh apparently mr mark cerny himself not mark our host mark but mark cerny who's uh you know one of the playstation engineers uh, who's been around the system for quite some time uh, apparently has his name on a patent that's being pushed for something that sounds an awful lot like ps5 backward compatibility so uh let me find where was the name of it specifically uh, so the patent application is entitled Backward Compatibility Through Use of Spoof Clock and Fine Grain Frequency Control. So if you've ever listened to Mark Cerny talk specifically about the engineering of any PlayStation console, first off, I advise you have a Red Bull or a Monster Energy drink or something ready to go because uh, no discredit to the guy. He's smart as hell, but he can be dry as hell, too. Um but he knows his stuff. He's the one that essentially came up with checkerboarding with 4K and why the, you know, the PS4 Pro was so competitive when it came to the 4K gaming and stuff. Um, and so now him having his name on a patent, uh, which leads to believe of the possibility of finally, finally, finally getting some type of potentially emulation uh, for PS3 games and maybe even PS1 and PS2 games to play on the latest PS5. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I thought that was a friggin' no-brainer. If you're going to sit here and champion how awesome and how powerful the PS5 is, why the hell wouldn't you have some type of way uh, in 2022 to have some type of emulation software? I don't care that PS3 games were made with a cell engine um, or cell architecture, but, you know, like, there, there's so many games. PS3 ended up being a heavy hitter um, just like the PS2 was. Not exactly to the same number of uh, units sold, but nonetheless, it had a lot of great titles. And so I was really interested to get to see more about backward compatibility there. Uh, Mark, I know you kind of dipped off the PlayStation train a little bit. Is this something that is interesting to you at all? Or would this make you interested in getting a PS5 if this turned out to be truth and uh, turn out to give us some backward compatibility beyond just the PS4 gen? 
Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, they did it with you know PS one, two, and three, kind of like the back backwards compatibility with like their online game library. But it wasn't a lot, but they had some on there. Um, as far as like the service they're talking about, like the rival of the the Game Pass. Um, I'm curious to see if it's going to be more Game Pass like or like what Nintendo has with like their retro games. Like a, a set list that will be available every month, or is it just like an ongoing updated list? Um, but either way, it's a win for the for the Sony boys. So, um, yes, I am kind of in the market still. I'm you know got my Xbox coming shortly, which is exciting. Finally got my hands on that, but uh, eventually I may dive into the the PlayStation field again. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you did. So somehow, you know, we, we've talked about it previously on the show, like these these new gen things are hard to come by, but patience is a virtue, folks. Mark and, and Matt both went ahead and this, this past week, week and a half, uh, were able to secure some purchases for some Xbox uh, Series Xs. So we'll see. Matt's already got his. So it's unfortunate that uh, he's not on the show to tell you how I was right, that quick resume is awesome and everything like that. Uh, but Mark will be able to tell you maybe next week. Um, but yeah, I I will say I'm excited as still being a fan of PlayStation stuff. I'm excited for this one. Uh, but you better come correct and they better be able to download those titles or uh, I'm not going to be as happy a camper. Otherwise, it's no different than what they have right now with, with PS Now, which supposedly they've gone ahead and pulled. Um, Sony is is discontinued or pulled a lot of the ps now subscription gift cards or whatever that you could get online uh and most likely that's in light of leading up to this revamp service as you talked about mark so we'll see uh we'll see what happens and you know how much time we'll have for our backlog if uh, sony comes correct with the uh playstation 5 backward compatibility program but speaking of having time and i know you guys have bared with us this is going to be our last news portion here uh, apparently this news broke out like fire on the social media space, but, uh, Techland, the developers of Dying Light 2, and this news comes out of GameSpot, <laughs> apparently they've gone ahead and said that Dying Light 2 will take 500 hours to complete. And the Twitter sphere went wild. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I think a lot of people looked at that and gawked and they said 500 hours. Are you out of your mind? Like Skyrim the you know the game from 2013 that people are still playing today damn near 10 years later wasn't anywhere near 500 hours it was like you know uh buck 80 maybe 200 hours um and so the uh the techland account came out and further stipulated that hey um yeah we've been working five years to go ahead and, and bring this to you or sorry rather they'll be committing five years beyond the release of the game but they did go ahead and also break down that if you play just the story, it's like 20 hours. Story plus X amount of quests is going to be 70 to 80 hours. But if you're trying to 100% everything, every dialogue, every playthrough, whatnot, that's going to be 500 hours. So I think maybe their messaging was a little little off, but it was interesting nonetheless. Uh, I think what makes it more interesting is the development of Dying Light 2 is you know kind of come across some troubling times we've heard some stuff like the game being delayed we've heard they had to start uh, maybe not from scratch but they had to backtrack and do a couple things over uh mark i i feel confident in saying you 
do not feel you have 500 hours to go ahead and play Dying Light 2 over and over and over again. Um, safe bet to say I do not. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, I mean, the completionist in me is saying no as well. Like, I don't think wow. it's a lot. <laughs> I could see maybe under 100, but I mean, I, I had 60 plus hours in uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, but man, that was a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say, and for breath in the wild, that's nothing. Like I, I literally, I, I talked to a guy at work and this was, uh, I want to say somewhere in the range of like six months ago. And he said, he's got, uh, approaching 300 hours in breath of the wild. So, you know, to each their own, uh, if you want a game that has a ton of content, apparently dying light two is, uh, the game for you. And unfortunately that one just got delayed uh crap is that the one that got delayed to december yeah i want to say that got delayed to like december 8th or or something along those lines i don't want to misspeak on that but uh nonetheless you got some time no 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 hold on hold on hold on sorry i need to come correct right now that's not right i mean like to release date uh, I, yeah, I was 100% incorrect. Apologies, folks. I'm thinking of something else. Dying Light 2 would be coming out February 4th, right around the corner. As if February wasn't packed enough. You got Dying Light 2, you got Elden Ring, you got Horizon Forbidden West. It's like, Jesus, like, who's going to have time to play? What, uh, um, Destiny 2, uh, was it Witch Queen is coming out, uh, in February as well. So it's, it's, it's going to be nuts. February is going to be a sick month, just going back once again to what I was saying, that 2022 is going to be the year for gaming. Uh, with that, we're finally at the end of our new segment, Faster Funnier. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Are you an industry insider? A professional interested in working with us? Maybe you just have an incredible gaming story to tell, but calling isn't your thing. Email us at gamingsgreatestgeneration at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, and we're back. Thank you guys for hanging out with us this long. Uh, and our last topic for today's episode, uh, this is going to be kind of short um, because admittedly it's just a matter of opinion pieces. Um, but we wanted to talk about some news. Um, so interesting takes, right? The pandemic has gone ahead and unfortunately with supply shortages and everything has kind of put a chokehold on a lot of a lot of what we do in entertainment and in so far as gaming, like there have been delays, there have been product shortages, much to the dismay of many consumers. Um, but now the companies themselves are going ahead and taking a different approach. And what I mean by that is uh, we got two different takes here. So one coming out of The Verge uh, titled, and this is by Tom Warren, who if you follow anything out of The Verge, Tom Warren's a pretty... Uh, pretty reputable, knowledgeable, and well-researched guy. He doesn't talk uh, talk out his, out his side, so to speak. Microsoft has discontinued all Xbox One consoles. So to get up to speed, basically, um, he details in uh, Microsoft confirms uh, with a Bloomberg report that they are ending production of the Xbox One consoles. So that being the OG Xbox One, the Xbox One S. They already discontinued the Xbox One X. I want to say that was sometime last year. Um, so basically the company is moving forward and they they basically said, hey, they haven't said the whole we believe in generations thing like Sony once did. But um, the quote I have here in the article from Phil Spencer himself, it says, quote, 
we can actually build more of the Series S, that being chips, in the same die space as we can the Series X, end quote. So this kind of goes to a, a lot of what people had said earlier last year that people were like, oh, you know, uh, why, why can I find a Series S and not a Series X? Which, by the way, I looked and you can go right now on just about any site that you want and buy an Xbox Series S. Um, but the subject was brought about or someone said that they can build, they being Xbox, can build two Xbox Series S's for every one Xbox Series X by way of the hardware that it takes and the silicon and, and all the stuff that we keep hearing, the, the buzzwords uh, when it comes to the manufacturing of these consoles. So uh, it's kind of a no-brainer that Xbox is going ahead and saying, look, we got the new gen stuff out there. It's $100 or in some cases $200 cheaper than the competition um, or within its own house, that being the Xbox Series X. So we're going to go ahead and say out with the old, in with the new, and double down on the production. Then we have some news out of Forbes, basically confirming uh, that Sony has confirmed with the shortage that they are seeing with the PS5s, they're actually going to go ahead and not double up, but they're going to expand on the production of PS4s. Dude, um, so the article is relatively short, but it talks about um, some of the numbers here. The PS2 sold 45 million units after the PS3 launched. PS4, meanwhile, uh, sold 4 million units after the PS5 launch, including an additional million. So, so talking about they have not discontinued the PS4. PS4 is projected to uh, have 4 million units built since November of, what would that be, 2020, when the PS5 was announced and launched. Uh, but now they are committing an additional 1 million units out there into the wild of PS4s. So they're not, uh, and, and Matt and I talked about this briefly, they're not going ahead and doubling down and saying, hey, we understand that there's shortages and whatnot, but we want to give you the best product possible and we're going to sh- you know cut off the old supply, similar to what Xbox is doing and bringing more PS5s. But they're instead saying, hey, we don't want to basically cut off this this vine that is income from console sales and get rid of the PS4s. We're instead going to go ahead and push out another million of those consoles. Um, my take on it, this is, and this, this is going to seem controversial, this is a small step in the direction of Xbox, if we're talking console wars, Xbox getting a big head start over PlayStation in this generation of consoles. That being, again, it is the Xbox Series S is a lower price point uh, machine. It's still super capable, maybe not in the actual sense of 4K, but frame rates, and it is able to play a lot of the newer games that are going to be coming out. Um, And again, they can make more of them. So it's a no-brainer that they're going to double down in that regard where I just don't understand what PlayStation is doing. You got 116, I think we're counting 116 million PS4s in the wild, whether they be the standard, the pro, the slim. And and now you're going to go ahead and commit not only uh, another 4 million, but another million on top of that to make 5 million more. This is out of the company that they're marketing out of their, their top dog, Jim Ryan said they believe in generations. And they were pushing about everybody get on board with PS5. Everyone get a copy of Miles Morales. Everyone go ahead and, and 
you know, dive deep into the PS5 stuff. And I just don't understand what they're doing anymore. Um, and I know, Mark, you and I talked during the break that this may be a conversation to fully table for, you know, another episode when all three of us can be on here. But like, what what's your initial take with this news? Does this strike you at all? Does this tell you that, you know, these companies are doing what they need to be doing in their respective fields? Yeah, I'm not, not going to get too far into it, but as far as the Sony side, I could see them being trying to recoup some money since, I mean, they're not really selling as, like you said, not really selling as much consoles as Xbox is. And, I mean, they don't make money as, as it is on the PS5, so I can see them trying to, you know, push out as many PS4s, maybe they'll do some some special editions and stuff like that to try and recoup some money. Um, as far as Xbox concerned, I could, you know, like you said, they're, they're done with the old and they're bringing in the new. Um, and that's that. So I, I, that's part of the reason me moving into the series, uh, series X, uh, because I know eventually this year it's, it's my Xbox one's going to be no brick. So, <laughs> I mean, let, let's be real, right? It's not going to be a brick. It just may be like a retro <laughs> machine. Um, and you freak me out for a minute right now. We're just kind of doing our, our quick round table. You kind of freaked me out for a minute when you said that, uh, Xbox has sold more consoles than PlayStation because last I knew, uh, a month or two ago, that was not the case. And it was something like PlayStation had sold like 8 million PS fives, uh, and Xbox had sold something like 4 million. And so now obviously again, the big the big thing in the room, the elephant in the room, if you will, is how dynamic the different business models are on the PlayStation five side. You got the digital and you got the disc version. It's a hundred dollars difference. Even though I think everyone knows a disc drive does not cost a hundred dollars, even if it's a Blu-ray. Uh, then on the Xbox side, you got the series X and the series S with a $200 cost difference. Granted, there's some performance left on the table, so to speak in, in going from a series X to a series S, but you save 200 bucks um as well as hard drive space but you you freaked me out for a minute because i was gonna say hey i don't know if those numbers are right but taking a quick second to look at it now these are not corroborated these are not aggregated necessarily but these are numbers that i'm looking at now that have been pushed out as of this past week and i find it pretty interesting that apparently microsoft has now sold over 12 million series x and series s consoles that's not stipulating which one it sold more of, right? Because again, if they can make more Series S's, you would think uh, the lion's share of that would be Series S's. And then I thought, okay, well, PlayStation's got to be on par with that. And uh, this news, so so there's two different sources here. That 12 million figure I'm getting from Thorot, uh, which I've seen them before. They, uh, they note, they have some pretty reputable folks over there. Um, to say the least. And then I'm also seeing the number again on MSN uh, and a couple other sites. But then over here from The Verge, Sony has sold 10 million. So right now, we if these numbers are to be believed, again, I don't give a rat's whatever about console war stuff, right? I just want these companies to make great games that I can enjoy. That's just me personally. But now we're looking at, what are we, 13 months? Yeah, roughly 13 months from the launch of these consoles. So about a year and you got Xbox that is outselling PlayStation by 2 million copies. Uh, and there was a, a interview that happened some time ago 
with Peter Moore. I was listening to this. It was on a podcast and it was an interview with Peter Moore, who, if anybody recalls, he was the, he was the Phil Spencer of Xbox a couple iterations ago, a couple of years ago. Um, but he said, as far as from an inside business perspective, that first year of console sales is the most crucial. Like if you slam dunk it and you start going ahead and, and, you know, beating your competition by a good margin in the first year, it's not necessarily a landslide, but it's a pretty good indicator for the months and years to come. And so I, I will throw a grain of salt in there that we're in this weird situation with the pandemic and shortages and like, would Sony be getting out more PS5s? Assuredly they would. Would they sell as much as the Xboxes? And again, particularly the, the Series S, which is a more affordable new gen, you know, edition. That I don't know. That I don't know. And I'm not going to be a fanboy and conjecture. Well, like, I don't freaking know that. And I don't think anybody does. Um, But Mark, all all those numbers on the table. (laughs) I mean, you were right. I don't know if you knew that, but you're right that Xbox is outselling them right now. Is that a a surprise to you with the strategy that they're taking here? Or or is that not a surprise at all? Yeah, it's going to, I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, you can walk down the street and get a Series S, you know, just like that. So it's only going to get worse. Yeah, like I could the gap. Yeah, I could go ahead right now. I'm just just for grins. I'm gonna go ahead right now. Da, 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 da. What am I looking for? Devices, Xbox Series S. I'm looking on Microsoft's site. <laughs> as soon as the site loads up, oh no, no, I didn't mean to click that. Oops, sorry, I clicked the wrong thing here. Da, 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 da. Vamp, 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 vamp. Yeah, right now I can buy a Series S on Microsoft site, whereas I know if I go to a PlayStation like PlayStation Direct. The only reason I got my PS5 is I got invited to a a PlayStation Direct sale when it was going on. And because of the invite, I got in there a little bit earlier than like the general public. And I had to, I'll use the word settle for the disc version because I really wanted a PS5 digital. I had no need for the disc version. Um, But I, I can guarantee you, you can't get it right now. So again, it's kind of bewildering to me of these different strategies. And this is where... I think it's going to be really interesting coming up in the next uh, couple months here as PlayStation unveils, you know, we kind of briefly tapped on it during the episode. They unveil what they're going to be doing with their quote-unquote Game Pass competitor, their new revamped uh, tiered service. It'll definitely be interesting to see because I, I would say without any, you know, real backing behind the statement that it's Game Pass that is being a big part of pushing that extra $2 million units sold on the xbox side of the house because xbox is going hard in the paint with their services section do you agree with that or yeah i mean if you want i mean most of the series x bundle i mean bundles as they say then if you want to pay the extra couple i won't say a couple dollars but you know 100 or two i mean they're really pushing all access and then they're also including x amount of months with game pass so i mean they're pushing it in a discreet way, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. They're, as long as they get it in your hands and they get you hooked and you're like, oh, wow, I can play all these great games day one. And I mean, we literally just said Rainbow Six Extraction is a day one. Um, it's a couple months after release, but you got Mass Effect Legendary that just went into Game Pass. The fact that, I mean, maybe uh, don't look at their you know checkerboard past on this, but uh, PC Game Pass now being rebranded and, and Xbox supposedly wanting to put a a new foot forward with regard to the PC gaming sphere with their subscription model. 
it's going to be a very interesting year, dude. Like I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to everything that's coming out. There's other titles that are going to be day and date released with game pass, whether it be on the console or on the PC. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about this year. Um, and with that, I'm, I'm going to call this topic a wrap unless you have any, anything else and we can table it for further discussion. Cause I know Matt's probably going to have some opinions later on when he's decided to, uh, to, to, to get better and <laughs> decide to join us. Uh, but did you have anything else on this one? No, that's it. I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm sure Matt can go down the rabbit hole on this discussion along with, uh, you know, the splinter cell. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. So with that dog, then, uh, why don't you tell us what you've been playing, what you've been doing, where can we find you? Um, actually haven't been playing much lately. It's a busy month for me. Um, you know, just doing some episodes here and there. Um, just working on some things at the house. Uh, catch me on Xbox, Snipe 90, of course. Uh, YouTube, Snipecast Gaming. Um, that's it. Cool, cool. Uh, well, I fortunately have been able to. We've had some stuff going on at the house, and uh, my work schedule has changed up slightly. I just got off that holiday leave, so I've been playing quite a bit. Uh, um, namely, the PS5 has been getting a workout. Uh, I went ahead and you know, you're going to hear from me over and over, slay the spire. Uh, I'm not, uh, they, they should just start paying me. You know, I'm going to hit them up and see if they want to go ahead and, and get a sponsorship deal because I mean, damn, I've talked about that game so much, dude. And it's not even like a super, I think it's, it's not, every episode. I mean, it's not, I'm not, <laughs> have you tried it yet? I, I haven't downloaded it. I haven't played it. <laughs> dude, just, you know, tonight, it's not that long of a game. Just a couple minutes. Like, just, just let me know because I need to know if I'm up a up a up a creek here without a paddle. If I'm too far gone to be rescued, but I don't know what it is. That game got its hooks in me. Regardless, I've been playing some of that. Uh, I went ahead and I got my hands into uh, the Spider-Man, uh, the Ultimate Edition. So I've been playing a lot of Spider-Man PS5 remake, um, which I plan to finish that up and then roll almost straight into Miles Morales. Um, when I'm not playing that, I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn because I never finished that game before. I think I'm probably, I don't know what I said where I was before, but I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the range of 60 to 70% done with the game. Um, it's a big game. I, I am always daunted and surprised, and the completionist in me just wants to overturn every stone, so that that's not good either. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think what else I've been playing. Have you dabbled uh, in the Ratchet mm. and Clank yet? No, no. I mean, we talked about that. Like, I, dude, I'm weird about it. Like, I want to, I want to play Ratchet and Clank, but like the sale, shoot, the sale's still going on. The sale that they have going on, still the lowest uh, barrier to entry for Ratchet and Clank is like fifty dollars. And maybe I'm loco, right? This is just me. Maybe I'm loco. But when I hear that the game is like twenty-ish hours. I'm not going to pay $50 for a 20 hour game. Like I know people are going to sit there and, you know, naysay me and say, that's dumb, blah, 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 blah. But like, I come from an age when that was common fare, right? Back in the, the cartridge days, back in, uh, the, the super NES days when it was like, Oh yeah, here's $60 and the game is eight hours. And it's like, I I'm looking at retirement in a couple of years. I'm looking at, I've got a portfolio of now it's probably over 1800 games among all, all, you know, systems and everything. I don't have uh, as much of an opportunity to go ahead and throw money at every single thing that I want to play. So I got to be a little stingier on it. So yeah, unfortunately 
I went ahead and I grabbed the Spider-Man. Um, I, I mean, we had kind of the three-way conversation about whether or not I should get Returnal um, or not Returnal. Was it Demon Souls? Demon Souls. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I will pick these games up. That's why, that's the predominant reason why I have a PS5 is to play those first-party games. Um, but I will tell you the minute that I go ahead and get Ratchet and Clank, um, and I will probably blast through that in like a weekend, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I look forward to playing that among all the other like actual no crap PS5 games. I just haven't haven't taken the plunge yet. That said, I did go ahead and uh, I think we talked about it previously. I bought Shin Megami Tensei Five on Switch. Um, I, I'm still tempted. I don't know why, because I have it on other things, but I'm still tempted to get Dead Cells uh, on Switch since it's on sale right now, um, just because I feel like that's a very mobile-friendly game. Um, and the last uh, piece of mobile news that you know we haven't talked about yet is apparently the Steam Link. Valve came out and said the Steam Link is looking like it's going to start shipping in February on time uh, after their initial pushback. So regardless of shortages and everything going on, so... I know mine probably won't be in until the second half of 2022, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm still going to game. I'm still going to, you know, enjoy a mobile system, maybe like laying in bed, playing it next to the wife or something. Who knows? But, yeah, uh, I have not got to Ratchet & Clank. Super long-winded answer to say no, Mark. I have not played Ratchet & Clank yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for the answer to go into the next episode at this point. Wow. Wow. All right, cool. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and call episode 21 a wrap. Thank you for keeping with us in season two of G3 podcast gaming's greatest generation. You can check us out on Google podcast, Spotify, just go ahead and check out the link tree in the notes uh, and you will see everywhere that your friendly neighborhood G3 podcast is available. If you feel like supporting us, uh financially you can do that on patreon or via anchor if uh non-financially you know you're kind of like me and you're you're holding out the empty pocket feel free to go ahead and pull us up on spotify they have the rating system available now for podcasts and we would love to get some honest feedback from you you don't have to go crazy and give us a default five you know whatever you feel honest feedback um i would ask uh, on a personal level i would ask that if you uh have some feedback for the show you go ahead and hit us up on the discord or message us on Twitter or email us at gamingsgreatestgeneration at gmail.com and let us know uh, what you like, what you don't like, what you think we can do better because we would love to incorporate that feedback and give you the best show possible here where we talk about games, game culture, and game news. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call episode 21 a wrap. Thank you. And remember, Gaming's Greatest Generation is the one you guys are a part of. Thanks for listening to the Gaming's Greatest Generation podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us today. If you have any feedback for the show or would like to contribute ideas, feel free to call 702-690-9292 or email us at gamingsgreatestgeneration at gmail.com. You can also join the Discord community by following the link in the show notes. See you next time.